0: Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul unto thee, O Lord. Jesus.
1: here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're glad that you're here. We also want to welcome all of those that will be watching this service online. Thank you for making being part of our service this morning. We come together each Sunday morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our service in prayer. Our Father, thank you for the many blessings that you give us each day. Father, thank you for all of the things that, that we have, And we know that these things come because of you. Be with us as we worship together this morning. May we put aside the cares of this world and worship you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. It's great to see everybody out this morning. first song is going to be How Majestic Is Your Name. How majestic is your name. If you're willing and able, would you please stand with me as we sing this song?
0: Sing that song. Oh Lord, I Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth?
2: please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning that we have an opportunity to come and worship you in song and praise. Father, we thank you for the many wonderful blessings in life that you've bestowed upon each and every one of us. Father, we're so thankful for you sending Brother Ken and Sister Anita our way to become a part of our church family here at Boonville. Father, we ask that you be with the elders of this church, that they may continue to lead us in a way that would be pleasing unto thee. Father, we ask you be with us as we go throughout our everyday lives that the way we live may be a pleasing example to you and an influence to others. Father, most of all, we thank you for your son Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have forgiveness of our sins and opportunity to have a home in heaven with thee. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen. Song of invitation will be
1: just as I am. I come broken at Brother Ken's lesson. We'll have a few songs before he comes and leads some thoughts on uh, Oh worship the king. First song will be to God be the glory.
0: To God be the glory. Praise him.
2: Scripture reading this morning will be taken from First Chronicles 29, verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted, its head above all.
1: Everybody, it's great to see you here today. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. And boy, it's just it's crisp in the air, it's getting cooler. I feel fall in all its splendor, and I'm excited, aren't you? So, it's good to be alive, it's good to be assembled with God's family on the first day of the week. And I'm telling you, we are glorifying God today. We are participating in acts of worship that we lift him up and praise him. Thank you for that. And just being able to participate in that with you this morning is thrilling to my soul. And I hope it's thrilling to yours too. I have the clicker. I guess I'm the only one responsible for it. So I hope I don't have malfunctions. So you be thinking of me, and probably I lay my hand on there, I'm just clicking away, but I appreciate sometimes technology doesn't work like we would like it to, or is it smoothly as we'd like it to, but that doesn't stop us, does it? We just keep right on going. Thank you for your patience that way. I love you. I love this church. I love what it represents and how it aspires to be a great church in this community. And it's just thrilling to be a part of that. All of it, you know, is going to rest on God's good graces and mercy toward us. So let's live our lives in such a way that he he can't help but bless us, okay? We're going to pray that God will help us now as we open up his word and I will tell you that what we're having to say today is really about the attitude that we have in our worship and not specifically the act of worship itself, the singing and the praying and so forth. We're gonna be looking at what it is that prompts us to worship God the way that we do. The text that we just read together from First Chronicles twenty nine eleven does just that, and it gives us five different things to be thinking about relative to God, for which our response would be nothing but pure worship. So let's pray and then have God instruct us. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that we have to be together and to study your word. And I pray, Father, that you will instill in us an awesome attitude toward you the experience of your awesomeness, the recognition of it. And Lord, I I pray that will motivate us to worship in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your word that describes you to us. Otherwise, we would just not know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of you. At least we wouldn't know the direction to go, for you are so great. Lord, impress that on us today. Help us to know that you're with us, but help us to know who we are with. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, when it comes to worshiping God, I don't want us to fall into a kind of slump. And what I mean by slump is, maybe it is when you first began your walk with the Lord, well, you recognized the sin that was in your life, you recognized the ruinous condition that you were in, and when the Lord saved you and washed the sins away you felt triumphant and you recognized how just great and wonderful God is. But I'll tell you, over time, we come in and out these doors, we participate in acts of worship. And you know, I don't know, maybe the the kids get you distracted. Uh, Maybe thoughts of work get you distracted. Maybe you had a fight with your spouse or a loved one before you came in the building and you're just discombobulated. Maybe you haven't paid attention or focused on the Lord as you would want to. After that happens a few times, maybe we get in the trap of just taking this event for granted. Listen, I want our discussion today to get us out of that trap, to help us to appreciate who it is that we actually have come together to worship and about how we ought to just elevate him to the very highest place and to be so grateful, so thankful to him for all the wonderful things that he has done and for what he represents to all of us. Listen, listen, there is there is no thought there is no degree of faith there is no aspiration in us except that it is even to the very fullest that we can make it insufficient to rise us to the greatest heights of what god is so today i want us to appreciate god and to worship him as the absolute king of kings and lord of lords i want us to see him as the king and i want us to worship the king according to the five tenets that are expressed in our verse of scripture and the first of those things has to do simply with his greatness i don't know what you think of when you think of the greatness of god but i'm telling you when we worship the king we're worshiping him in that sense of greatness Let's have some perspective here for a minute. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever said this to yourself? I know this was wrong, I know I made a terrible mistake, but God understands. God knows what went into that, he's okay with it. Ever felt that way? Or you were caught in something and everybody had a negative reaction, but you thought to yourself, that's okay. God's fine with it, he knows how it happened. The sense that... We're bringing down God to where we are. You know, he's my friend. He loves me. So probably what I think he thinks. God says, no, (laughs) that's not right. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways, your behaviors, they're not my behaviors. As the heavens are higher than the earth. Not this, hey, there's God, he's good with it, right here. No, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your my thoughts than your thoughts. It is, I don't bring God down here to testify to or vouch for me. The idea is I'm constantly striving to rise up to his thoughts. To behave in ways that please him. I I, I can't be I can't be justifying my behavior on some caricature of God that I've created in my own mind. Now, on the one hand, that can be a little frightening because as I look back, I may think, wait a minute, there have been a lot of times when I justified my behavior by in some ways applying to God what I wanted to think rather than the way He really feels about it. But on the other side of that, I should have some confidence because when I serve God, it is not a moving target. I can know exactly what God's expecting of me and I can strive to be better in my relationship to Him. Here's something that is, should be very comforting to all of us. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. I am the Lord. Now get this. I do not change. Okay, every day it seems like. It didn't, didn't always happen this way, but... It's like this now. Just about every day I wake up, something's changed. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the world is, is nothing like I remember it from the perspective of my growing up years. I could always count on certain things. Now, I, I can't really count on anything. Things change constantly. I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking about the relationships that we have. Even our language has changed. You have to be careful with the way you say things anymore. But one thing I can be confident in, and that is as much as the world changes, God is not changing. God is an absolute constant in my life from the perspective of how He has revealed Himself. And no matter what happens around me, God is always going to be that anchor I can find is always located in the exact same place. I'm the Lord. I do not change. But then there's this. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord's my helper. I'll not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Now, right there is a subtle invitation from God. Listen, world might be changing around you, but God is great. God is great in Himself. So He doesn't move around. And since I know He's always going to be in that same space, and boy, I can, you know, I can get bounced around. I can get moved around because of the effects of this world about me. But if I'll hold on to that anchor, here's what He's promising me. I'm not just out there, but I'm, I'm helping you. I've chosen to help you. I'm going to be your friend. As great as God is, listen... I want to try and accommodate him to me. No, no. I need to strive to find him, to relate myself to him rather than the other way around. Oh, worship the king. I I, I ought to worship this king in his great power. Okay, this is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 24 and verse 20. I love it because, boy, it really puts things in perspective. This is a picture of the earth being judged before Almighty God, okay? Now, I know that you've seen pictures of the earth, say, from space, and boy, we just, oh, isn't that beautiful? That big blue globe with the clouds in it, man, that planet is beautiful. But the picture here in this text is God's judging the earth and it is like a swaying hut. Several years ago when I was, I think I've told you about being on the volcano in a village in Vanuatu called Duviara. Well, we stayed in grass huts. You ever seen Gilligan's Island? In Gilligan's Island, you have these castaways who live in what look like bamboo huts. And every time there's a storm, you know, those get tussled about a lot. I was staying in a hut just about exactly like that, except I didn't have one of those cute hammocks. I had what, now put this in quotation marks, I had a bed. The first night that we were there, I was all kind of settled into my bed in my hut. And all of a sudden, I heard this sound. It sounded a lot like a freight train at the bottom of the mountain. And I thought, there aren't any trains on this island. And then I heard it. It started down there at the bottom, but it began moving up the mountain. You know, it started real quiet, like, just a rumble. And then you could hear it, the volume increasing as it coming up, up the mountain. And when it got to our hut, and then it stopped. I was like, what in the, I got up, and I looked around, I was like, what in the world? Oh, let's get back to sleep. Got back in that, quote unquote bed, and I heard it again. Five minutes later. Freight train at the bottom of the mountain. Started moving up the hill, up closer, closer, closer. Whoa. And then stopped. Every five minutes, all night long. So we got very little sleep, waiting on the freight train to come. It was just the wind. The wind coming off the ocean would brush through the jungle and hit that mountain and come at hurricane force up the side of that mountain, and it just about blew that hut away every single night of the trip, like a swaying hut. When I read this text, I think of the earth before... The power of Almighty God. And I recognize that the description is telling us it cannot withstand an angry, judgmental God. It's just like a hut swaying in the wind. But that power of God also manifests itself in some other ways. Some small ways like what's described in the book of Exodus chapter 4, the first five verses give the sense of it. Here, God is interacting with Moses. God is going to do, you know the history, amazing things with Moses, who himself feels ill-equipped to do the work. For 40 years already, he's been, he's been a shepherd. Now he's going to lead God's people out of their bondage. God says to Moses in verse 2 of that text, What is that in your hand? Moses says, A rod or a staff. Well, God's going to take that staff, the rod, which for Moses was just a utilitarian device. It just so happened that's what was in his hand. He's a shepherd. He carries his shepherd's staff. It's about as common a thing as he could have had for himself and his background. Oh, you see Moses? You always see him with a staff. It's his thing. Moses, what's, what's that in your hand? A staff? Well, of course, what else would have been in his hand? He's a shepherd. God takes that staff. He shows him how extraordinary it can be throw it down on the ground, it turns into a serpent. Later, God would use that same staff to open up the sea. God is doing amazing things with a very common utilitarian device. God's power demonstrated through the common things. I was thinking, God basically can ask us the same thing. What, What is that you have? And you say, well, some of you drove up in a car. Pretty common. What is that you have there, a car? What could God do with a car? I know with some of you, God, well, he drove you here. (laughs) Some of you use a car to take folks to the doctor's office, to the grocery store. What's that you have there? say a hammer. Some of you use a hammer to throw at your brother. (laughs) Uh, Some of you use a hammer to do construction work, help somebody out, got some disrepair they couldn't fix for themselves. What's that in your hand right there? Might be a broom. God can use that broom with his amazing power to do incredible things for other people. Maybe someone's sick, you go and clean the house up. Maybe you work around this building sweeping up. You just... Never know what God can do with amazing, common little things. Ken, what do you have? I happen to have in my pocket right here one of those amazing tools of God, a pen. (laughs) You can use a pen to do mighty things for the Lord, too. I know a lot of you, and, and I've been the recipient of some of them, a lot of you will use a pen like this to write cards of gratitude You write a card when someone's sick. It encourages them. You send cards when people have birthdays. You send cards when people have anniversaries. Kind of like the crows. 62 years. Isn't that something that God could use a simple common thing like this to highlight? What is it that you have in your possession that God can use in a powerful way? An amazing way. I just tell you, when I think about what he can do and the power that he wields, all I can say is, oh, worship the king. He is, wow, he is amazing. And then, not just power, his glory. His glory. Let me describe glory for you. Glory is like when some of you, you watch cartoons, like when there's a I see this a lot in cartoons, a particular character's in trouble, or or they want to emphasize that character, put a spotlight on them. Or if you're into theater, you went from uh, cartoons to highbrow activity. If if you go to theater and you see a character who's doing a soliloquy, that is, they're standing by themselves, or maybe there's a crowd of people, but the emphasis is on the individual they're having a commentary with themselves. They're talking to themselves. A lot of times they will emphasize that device by a spotlight coming down on them so that they're very apparent. You pay attention to that character. Glory means to put the spotlight on. So when God is glorified, that means the spotlight is on, it's on God. Let me tell you something. When God's around, major things happen. In Isaiah 64 and verse 2, that text tells us that with regard to God, in God's presence, it is like there is such a fire. There's such an energy about God that it's like the fire that burns the chaff. It is like the, the heat that will boil water. That's God's glory. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 to 19. Hey, let's all go up on the mountain and get the commandments of God. (laughs) The people said, are you crazy? We are not going up on that. We're not stepping foot on that mountain. Moses, you go. (laughs) So Moses goes, and you know how that went. But boy, here's what caused them to feel that way. It was the apparent... Visible glory of God. Huh, wonder where God is. Clearly He's on that mountain because there's thundering and there's smoke and there's earthquakes. Woo! God is amazing. He's full of glory. Interesting, though, that also in that Isaiah text, Isaiah 64 at verse 6. It says, with regard to us, that our righteousness to God, this glorified God, is like filthy rags. Wait a minute. Does that hurt your feelings? Here I am, trying to be a righteous person, trying to do good, offer that to God, and He says, that's nothing to me but filthy rags. Well, now a little context. When you're not with God and you're trying to impress Him, your your efforts on your own at righteousness are filthy rags. What do you do with filthy rags? Come by the house over here. I've got some. There, off of the room at the carport. Do you think that I take the filthy rags that are in there and just kind of fold them up and put them in a special place? I do not. I toss them around. In fact, some of them are probably on the ground, got a bunch of spider webs and junk on them. I don't care about them. They're filthy rags. They ought to be in the trash can. I know that's probably what you were thinking filthy rags. My righteous Lord, look at look at me. That makes me sick. I ought to throw you in the trash. But I'm not even going to put forth the effort to throw you in the trash. You're just a filthy rag. Don't even want to touch you. Oh no. But wait. Wait. God is so full of his glory that he can fix that. Here's how he chose to do it. John chapter 17 at verse 4. Jesus is talking to the Father, and He says, I have glorified You on the earth. I've done that for You, Father. And you know, the Father just relishes that, because that's, that's partly why He sent His Son here, full of glory. It was apparent through His entire ministry. But what Jesus says is, despite the fact that I was filled with glory, let me tell you what, I had that glory for you all over the earth. And then go down a few verses at verse 10 of John 17. Interesting change, you filthy rag. And that is this. Jesus said, I am glorified in them. Wait a minute. Jesus glorified the Father. Past tense. I am, continuing tense, glorified in them. In them whom? In in His people. He glorifies us that we might glorify the Father. We just went from being a filthy rag, not even worth picking up and throwing in the trash, to something that puts the light on God. You know what I say to that? Worship the king. And then there's that matter of his victory. Victory? Well, Ken, victory sounds like there's been a war going on. Somebody's won a war. Well, there has been. There continues to be. But God, even in the midst of the war that is raging right now, is claiming victory. How how can that be? Listen to this. Beautiful promise of Scripture. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Reserved in heaven for you. Nothing sweeter than that. An inheritance for you. You who? You, the child of God. How did I become a child of God? How did I go from being a person that's in sin to being saved and a child of God? And not just that I'm going to heaven. That's typically what I'm going to heaven. You know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Okay, let's make it a little more specific than that. It isn't just that you are going to heaven. You are expected in heaven. You have an inheritance. It is already set up for you. It isn't that we go and knock on the door and say, Can I come in? I have his visitors pass. No. I don't have to say, i don't, I don't problem. I don't have to say that. I am expected to enter in to the glories of heaven. And why is that? Because I'm not just a visitor. I'm not just a friend of Jesus. I am a child of God. Now, by virtue of that fact and by virtue of the fact I know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be... Satan is spitting mad. Satan does not want that for you. And there are two things I want to hit. In this segment one is the devil and one is death the devil the devil doesn't want you going to heaven and so even though you are a child of God he is still doing his very best to see to it that you lose your inheritance In John chapter 10 verse 10 the thief does not come but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly listen the Satan only wants to take that away from you. He wants to steal it. He wants to take it any old way he can. And listen, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says that he's going about like a hungry, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When I used to think of lions, I used to think of lions like, I don't know, the Lion King never actually been in the presence of a lion. Saw them on Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, stuff like that. I don't really have any... Only close animal I have to that is my kitty cat at the house. I know it's bigger than a kitty cat. And then I went to a big cat park. That specialized in lions. Oh, so excited. Go see my little lion. I didn't see my little lion. I saw a lion whose head is, I am not exaggerating, is this big. So we got these cats. Sometimes they playfully bite you. They've got these little fangs on them that are about this long. The lion has fangs that are this long. And the only thing that stood between this flesh-eating beast and me was a chain-link fence. I could feel the heat coming out of its nostrils as it was sizing me up and figuring how it's going to just shred this this fence, in order to gobble me up. That's how I felt. Just totally unnerved in the presence of this ferocious, unbelievably large beast. Satan's walking about like a roaring lion. Not one that's been fed three meals a day and is kept in a pen, but one who is starving to death and just wants to absolutely eat you up. Satan wants to take your inheritance away. And he is looking about to find out who he can take it from. Just like a roaring, hungry lion. And then there's death. A lot of people are afraid of death. But because of Jesus, the fear of death has been taken away. And I love Jesus for that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 51, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. But the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, death. Is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory. Victory over Satan. We have victory over death. God calls it victory even in the midst of the war because it is absolutely 100% assured. The only question mark is with, with you and me, Am I going to hang on to my inheritance or not? We also need to worship the King and His majesty. What's majesty? Majesty is God's greatness and his authority. It's, it's His sovereignty. It's Him on His throne. Jesus alluded to it as He's ascending to the Father in Matthew 28, verse 18. Here's how He said it. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's essentially what our text said. For all that is in heaven and in earth is Yours. Yours, O oh Lord, is the kingdom. I love that. For you have been exalted as head over all. That's the majesty of God. I read that about Jesus, all authority. I skip down, don't you, almost always, to, well, my job's to go and preach the gospel. But don't miss His majesty. This is Jesus. This is is God we are enlisted with. He is far above everything else. And to be enlisted with Him and to be a part of it, listen, sometimes we just we don't see it for what it really is. We just see what maybe the devil or the world wants us to see. We see a mess in front of us. We see confusion. We don't know what to do. We're frustrated. Many years ago, uh, when, when uh, President Kennedy was assassinated, people lost their minds. They're like, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? That's what was happening to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. King's dead. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The king is not dead. Not the king. It was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, train of his robe, filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. The whole house was filled with smoke. And here's Isaiah speaking for all of us today. Woe is me. For I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Have you guys seen the King today? In all of His his greatness and His power and His glory and His victory and His majesty to to extend Himself to a people like us? Who without Jesus are nothing more than just filthy rags? Have you named the name of Jesus? If you have, then then you ought to feel Jesus' glory as you impact this world every single day. As you think about the inheritance that you have and of that, that heavenly home someday. That ought to drive everything you do. Every single day. If that's fallen short, let's be reminded today of how good God is and let's worship the King. Maybe you're not a child of God. Today ought to describe for you the one you could serve. The one who will never change. Do you believe that He's the, Jesus is the Son of God today. Confessing that faith. You can be buried in water. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and rise up a new creation. All that sin is left behind. And now you have become a child of God. You take on the glory. You have the inheritance. Maybe there's just something else, something bothering you. Need the prayers of a church that's filled with the glory of the Lord. Who better to pray and encourage you than that group of people? If there's anybody today who needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together?
2: Anyone that needs a communion emblem, raise your hand. About with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this bread, which represents Christ's body. We thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us. We pray that we partake of this in a manner that's pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. with me dear god we thank you for this cup we thank you for the blood and the sacrifice that jesus made on the cross of calvary so that we all have a chance in heaven please forgive us where we failed you and please be with us now and help us partake this in a manner that's pleasing to you in jesus name amen This time we'll have a prayer to thank God for all the many material blessings he's given us. God, we thank you for our jobs and our opportunity to earn money that that you've given us, God. And we pray that we always remember to give you the first of what we make because we know every blessing, all that's good, comes from you, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't handed any announcement. There's there are a few in the bulletin I want to highlight. Uh, ladies are invited to a bridal shower in honor of Lakin Green, the bride elect of Sam Farr, today from one to three in the annex. And in the back of the bulletin, it says beginning next Sunday, we have a new Sunday schedule. Just a reminder that the 830 outdoor worship will move into the auditorium. And the five, uh, the 5 o'clock outdoor class will move into the annex. That, that will be the changes beginning next week. And if you'll bow with me, we'll close with a word of prayer. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for a, another day to come and worship you. We thank you for the lesson that Brother Ken presented us. God, we pray that when we do worship you, we bring glory and honor to your name. And now, God, we ask that as we go out into the world this week, that we are a light unto the world and that we behave in a manner that pleases you and that we live our lives in a way that we show others Christ in us. Please, God, forgive us where we failed you. We love you and we thank you.